Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our new beginning, and it is great to see you in church this morning. Um, I have been um, looking forward to this. Uh, I genuinely have wanted to be here and uh, to lead you in worship, uh, and yet this morning I was quite nervous, um, and we'll, we'll work it out as we go along, um, but it is good to have you with us, those who are physically present with us. Thank you for making the effort. Uh, you look good in your masks, and uh, yeah, I have the freedom of not uh, having the mask on. And if you're joining us, of course, at home uh, online, we want to welcome you as well. I want to just start by saying that God has been good to us uh, throughout the COVID crisis. I don't believe that we have lacked anything uh, as a people, and uh, we have been able to continue to worship corporately uh, online. And God has been good to us in that. I want to start the service by encouraging us to meditate upon a psalm, Psalm 46, uh, so that we can remember who God is and who he pr proved himself to be. And uh, if you want to, you can look at your Bibles, as I see some of you are doing. But if you want to look up here as well at the screens, uh, you'll see these lovely lines. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. God is within her. That's speaking of Jerusalem, but it's us as the church and us as individuals. She will not fall. In other words, we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. God, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And I think increasingly that's what I uh, held to at the start of the crisis. And as it has evolved, it's this last kind of verse that the psalmist comes to that's really struck me. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So I want us to meditate upon those verses on this psalm. And Judith and Chan are going to play some music for us. 
the tune you will recognize as Be Still, for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. So please remain seated and let us think and pray and give thanks in our hearts to our great and loving God. And after this, Adarval will lead us in our prayers of adoration and confession.
life's hardest moment yet. Not only small, but poor and weak. We have nothing to give to you, God. Before you, Lord, we confess that we are far from what you expect us to be. We confess that we do not trust you as we should, as we many time, times become anxious about the circumstances of life. For some of us, the pandemic has shown how much we still need to trust you. We confess that we do not love you with our hearts, our soul, our mind and our strength, as Jesus had commanded us. We confess that we do not love our neighbor and ourselves, as Jesus has also taught us. We confess that sometimes we do not feel joy in prayer and in reading the Bible, and some of us might even be unfaithful to you in that. We confess that we have not been bold in preaching the gospel, especially when we see the life of the apostles and the price they had to pay for that privilege. As your word says, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Oh Lord, may these holy words strike our hearts and admonish us. Lord, we repent from these sins, and we ask for help. Please transform us according to your Son, Jesus Christ. We want to be holy, Lord, as you are. We want to bring joy to you with our acts and our thoughts. Help us in those things as we are unable to do so. We depend completely on you, Lord. But praise be to you, our God, because although we fall short on those, on those things, you don't give up on us. You have started the good work in us, and we trust that you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anderval. Well, folks, we've been looking at Paul's letter to uh, Ephesians, and Paul has been outlining the good news of the gospel and its outworking in the lives of those who attended the church in Ephesus. And like Psalm 46, uh, I think we've been seeing that our security of being in Christ, being a member of God's family, a citizen of the kingdom of God, that that gives us hope and a confidence and that that allows us then to live out the life that we have been given. So we're going to look at this new section. It's in chapter 4, and the details, uh, details how we're to live as Christians. And Susan is going to come and read that passage to us, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to them. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who de descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow by we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Well, folks, um, uh, if you have your Bibles, then do open them at this passage, and we'll uh, have a look at it together. Um, I realize that this is not quite church as we would probably experience it, but I, I do hope that we'll really be able to engage with God's Word at this time. Um, and, and this is an important passage. Um, it's an important passage for the church um, and uh, has a lot to say, and I know that uh, we'll, we'll have to work hard at it just now. But I want you to imagine, by the way, that you uh, have received a call, and your call is to rep your, represent your country at a sport that you love. You are on the pitch at the Aviva Stadium. You're not far away from here. You're on this pitch. You've been picked to play for Ireland. You're wearing the green jersey. Your hand is on your heart and you're singing Ireland's call. I often dreamed of that, but it never happened. And you see, the hope of this, and I've often heard it in my involvement with sport, has been the basis of motivational speeches made by, in training by coaches imploring total focus and commitment and greater effort and sheer hard work and dedication from their athletes so that they might honor that call. And if you look in verse 1, you'll see that Paul urges these Christian believers, having lived a life of someone who followed this call, and he ended up in prison for it. That's what he says, as a prisoner for the Lord. He is not just talking about being captivated by Christ, he's actually talking about having been in prison for following that call. 
And he says, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received, not from your country, but from God. And we don't get called, by the way, because we're the best. We get called because we're sinners and we have received the grace of God. We don't get called to perform in front of 50,000 or even a million on television. We get called uh, to perform, as it were, before each other, but before a host of people from the ages began, the saints who have gone before us, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We don't get called for glory now, but we get called for suffering and glory for eternity. And so Paul urges us, hear the call, be wholehearted, be committed, be active in living out your faith. And he has in his letter reminded them of what they are in Christ. They are chosen, they're redeemed, they're adopted, they're sanctified in Christ, and he has prayed for them to know the love of God. Now he says to them at the beginning of this verse, and I want you to hear it to you personally, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Folks, I am very conscious that this is different. And we have an opportunity, haven't we? We have a God-given opportunity now to live differently to let go of the things that were of little or no value in our lives, to reprioritize afresh the call of Jesus on our lives, to repent of the things and the people and the institutions that have become more important to us than God. We have a chance to get involved in acts of service, to get involved in important issues, to be less selfish, to be more community-minded, to give. We are followers of the Lord Jesus, and it is a life worthy of wholehearted commitment. And I am conscious in myself and in us that we have a temptation to go back to the same way that we always lived, pre-COVID. And I believe that God, through this verse in particular, is urging us not to do that, but to give of ourselves to a better life, to him, to a life worthy. It's a call that you have received. And so as we move on, we want to then look at some of these uh, issues here. The first one is humility. Uh, you'll see that in verse 2. Uh, so what does this life look like? What does it actually look like, this life? Now, I have to admit to you that I have started a journey to understand racism. And I believe that we are all racist, racist in some way. And I've been thinking about this, of course, in following on from the Black Lives Matter protest. I've listened to a podcast. I've logged on to a webinar hosted by Asset on the subject. I've read about the lives of colored people in Ireland in the Irish Times magazine that arrived at my house yesterday. And I'm conscious, by the way, that I need to engage, particularly with people of color in this church, and to listen to their stories and to understand what it's like for them to live in Ireland and what racism is all about. 
But one of the things that struck me in my, uh, as I was listening in this webinar in particular was that one of the speakers spoke about relationship and the need for relationship. And the basis of relationship, of course, is love. And it's not about structures. It's a question of love in our hearts for each other. If we have that love, then we have that desire for relationship. And if we have love, then we're journeying towards each other. This is not normal. This is not what God wants. We are to journey towards one another. We are to listen. We are to accept. We are to think of the other. And humility is the recognition of the value of the other. And it leads to gentleness, as you'll see here, and patience and bearing with one another. Paul says, be completely humble and gentle, patient, and bear with one another. And to do so, folks, we need to know that we are loved. We need to know afresh as we think about Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, about how deeply we are loved by Jesus. We love because he first loved us And it was Jesus, of course, who defined what humility and love looked like. People thought that it was weak, meek, and mild. But Jesus was anything but that. He was not, uh, it it was not a weakness. He was strong, he was robust, he was positive in the way that he approached people. We must have an absence of pride. And we need to begin with the moral qualities given to us by Jesus through the gospel. Humility and love are our approach. And that was hammered into me at a recent course that I did. Humility and love are our approach to people. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so our approach must be towards one another and with humility. That's the characteristic of the Christian life, humility. The second point is unity, Um, verses 3 to 6. By the way, if you look at this, there are seven ones in these verses. And Paul's point is that our oneness as believers in Christ is a given. That is, that we are one, fact. We are one. We belong together. Um, And so we are, as you see there, he's listed them. He's saying that we're perfectly one. I think the seven is perfect, but he goes on. uh, He says we are one, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and having one Father. And each of those, of course, uh, you could speak about for a few minutes, and they deserve further thought. But let's just think about having God as our Father, That is what first chapters 1 to 3 has been all about as well. We've been chosen by the Father. He has sent us his Son so that we can be redeemed. The Son has sent us the Spirit so that we can be part of the family of God. We are chosen, adopted, with full rights. We belong to God's family. We're members of his household, chapter 2 and verse 19, through the work of Jesus on the cross and sealed with the Holy Spirit. So we're one, Paul is saying. That's what we are through the work of God in the gospel. 
And the implication of this is that nothing can disrupt the church's unity. We call this the invisible church, and it's known to God, and one is what we are. So just as, as last week, um, we had the presbytery service, um, and I haven't remembered much about that service, sadly. Uh, that's often the way, but I've remembered this, that our moderator of, the, of this uh, presbytery, Mark Proctor from Nice, prayed this in his prayer. Lord, forgive us when we don't live out what we are. And I forgot, I've forgotten everything else, but I've heard that, and I hear it in my head because it struck me. We are loved. We are to live it. We are the fathers. We are to live as that. We are totally secure. And we are one. And forgive us because we don't often live it. And I believe that there's a huge challenge on us on so many levels that we are to live out the reality of what we are. We are one in Christ. And Paul says it here, doesn't he? He says we're to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The life that is worthy of the Lord strives for unity within the church. And it strives for unity between churches. And so that the reality of what we, we are will honor and bring glory to God. John Stott says we should all be eager for some visible expression of Christian unity, provided always that we do not sacrifice fundamental Christian truth in order to achieve it. Let us keep this theology in mind as we work out how to do church. In Christ, we're all one and we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So let's make an effort. We're distanced now, but we don't need to be distanced outside, except the two meters. Okay, let's talk to one another. Let's find out the name of somebody that you don't know. Let's learn the names of the children so that we can go home and pray for them. Let's find out what it's like to be a person of color in Ireland. Let's take time. Let's move towards one another. Maybe these are just little steps, but we are one in Christ, and we need to make every effort to keep the unity. Let's ask that God would help us to do so. And of course, it's not um, uniformity in that sense, because he talks about diversity. I don't know why I've got the double Vs in there, but there we go. Maybe that's just because it's verses. Um, diversity of gifts and service. Um, so it doesn't mean we're all the same. And Paul, of course, highlights the theology here that um, he uses um, Psalm 68, if you want to look at that passage. It's a psalm about a king coming back. And in those days, the king came back victorious. And because he was victorious, he had plunder to give, and he gave it out to his subjects. And so he gave out these gifts. And that's the picture, of course, of what the Lord Jesus does. He has ascended he is risen, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he gives out these gifts. The gifts mentioned, of course, then in verse 11, uh, and these, these are important verses. I realize that I'm not going to preach on these in that sense. He gives uh, foundational gifts, leadership gifts, and their teaching gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
Um, and we could spend an awful long time in those, and maybe we do need to talk about them at some stage. But I want to look at verse 12. I want us to see why they're given. Because they're given to prepare God's people for works of service. And, to, and they're given, comma, after that, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I want to highlight that, if I might, by just talking to you about how this service has come together. Um, it really has struck me afresh. Uh, this service is not about me standing here, because it took so much effort and so many people and so many gifts to make it happen. We are trying to follow the PCI and the government guidelines. So we needed someone with clear thinking and the ability to write out instructions, and I believe you were given 23 instructions to come to this service. I didn't do that. Someone else did. We needed someone to pur purchase materials such as the signs and the hand sanitizers and to make sure that we had all that we needed, and someone else did that. And we've definitely needed people with IT skills, plus, 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 plus. I don't understand what happens down there, but somehow this is being live-streamed and recorded. And that's a step forward, and we needed people to do that. And we needed people with medical understanding of COVID-19 and public health guidelines and who read those guidelines carefully so that you and I would be safe in this service today. And we needed people who did manual labor, who moved all the 150 chairs out of this building up two floors so that you could be nicely spaced here. And that's not to mention the people who have read, who played the music, who lead, and even the one who preaches. We need each other. We have been given gifts by God and when we work in cooperation and we work for the purpose of the glory of God, it is every member ministry. And it's diverse and it's good. The word, of course, used here is diakona or ministry. And so what happens here is the foundational, or foundational gifts, the teaching gifts, are to enable each of us to do every member ministry. And so I think I've read this somewhere, but on our website, we could have minister, the Reverend Samuel Mawinney, ministers, everybody. You are the ministers. I am a minister as well. And it is by using these God-given gifts that as members of the church, the church grows. That's how the body of Christ is built up. You see that that's where it heads. The vision of this is that everyone actively participating in some aspect of the church's life and everything we do is to serve each other and others. It should be varied. It should be founded on the mandate of the scriptures and it should have the members involved. That excites me. That excites me. That is what I think we need to do. We need to show this community that we care. We care. We need to do the work that God has called us to live, wherever we live, wherever we work, and wherever we have our church and we play as we say. And how the gifts, may, um, how the gifts we have may be used to meet the church and the society. God has given you and I these gifts. He's given them to be used, and he's distributed them among us 
so that we can serve him and bring glory and the hope of the gospel and meet the needs of the community around us. That is what this life looks like. That's what he wants. And lastly, and I think importantly, that we are to head towards maturity. Verses 13 to um, 16. So maturity is linked by Paul to growth, a process that takes time and careful intention, as every parent will testify to. And the metaphor here is is not a plant, as I had thought, or a, a building, and in some ways it is a person. He talks about infants, doesn't he, in verse 14? He talks about the head of Jesus. He talks about growing up into that body. He talks about ligaments, etc. So he's talking, the metaphor is about a body, is really what I'm trying to say. And if you think about it, it's a compliment, isn't it, to be called mature, particularly when you're young. He's a mature young person, mature young man, mature young girl. And it's not a compliment to say that you're immature. Okay? The goal is maturity. It's not the same as age. You can be old and immature. It does take time, and we, that's why we call our leaders elders, because they're more senior, they have more experience, etc. And I want to say, I suppose, when we don't show maturity, um, that that's not always a disaster. As long as we have a willing heart, we have an open mind, we're willing to listen and willing to change, and if there's time. But the direction is always to grow, to become mature. And whenever, what are we tend to attend to? You look in verse 14 or 13, you'll see that we're heading towards looking like Jesus, to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We want to be like him. It takes time, and it's a process. And how does that process come about? Well, Paul says here that it comes about when we do ministry, when we actively use our gifts. Verse 16, as each part does its work. If you just come to church and sit and do nothing, then you don't grow really. But when you come and you participate and you are active in your worship, and then you active in your service, then you will begin to grow. The question is, is Adelaide Road a mature church? And maybe we need to start thinking about that, because it's about everybody doing it. We can look in there, it says all, until we all reach verse 13 and become mature. So it's something that we need to think about, I believe. It's been a challenge to me this week. What does it look like when we're not mature? Well, we're like infants, it says in verse 14. Uh, We're tossed back and forth uh, by the waves. We're blown here and there by every wind of teaching. I think that means, and I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the next one. That really means that we're doctrinally. We don't know what we believe. We're not sure about what we believe. So somebody tells us this thing about one thing, and we believe that. Then we read another book, and we believe that. Um, And we're not sure because we haven't done the work, because we haven't thought it through, because we're not prepared to commit. And so we blow one way and the other. We're not mature. So maturity means we don't know what we believe. Maturity means that we're easily influenced. 
Maturity, maturity, well, lack of maturity means that, and lack of maturity means we're, we don't really defend what we believe either. But I want to speak about 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up. So maturity, I'm going to say, looks like speaking the truth in love. And in practice, that means that we have to understand the issue biblically. We need to know what the truth is about that. So we need to know about the truth about racism. We can look at racism from the doctrine of creation. We can look at racism from the doctrine of sin. We can look at racism from the doctrine of redemption. And we can look at racism from the doctrine of the church and of uh, the consummation. Those are things that we can begin to think about. That's the role of the leaders to do that. We can do that with parenting. We can do it with abortion. We can do it with education and government. We can do it with everything. In fact, if we are to be mature, we must do it. We need to know what the truth is. We need to understand what God says about these things. And that's how we become mature. And then we will want to communicate that truth. And that's where we need love. It's not that they're mutually exclusive in that way. We do it with gentleness, with patience, with love. And our unity depends on us doing this and submitting to the truth collectively. And that is most definitely, by the way, a work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. We saw that in John 14, verse 7. And the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And it's patience and gentleness and kindness, as we see in Galatians 5. So the implications of this, I think, folks, are huge for us as a church. Are we mature? If we do not seek this truth, then we're not mature. If we do not speak it in love, then we're not mature. Now, I want us to be doing that so that we might be growing into Christ and we might be growing in maturity. And I ask, believe that God is asking us to do this. And it is a primary task of the leadership of the church when we're faced with issues and concerns and directions of travel that we actually know the truth and then that we go in that direction. None of us, of course, are perfect we may tend to be people of truth, and then we may be seen to be hard and unloving. Or we may be tend to be people of love and who have no truth, and we tend to be soft and tolerating error and easily shift. But Jesus modeled this perfectly. He spoke strongly when he had to, but he also spoke gently. He stood for what he believed. As a confessional church, as a Presbyterian church, we have decided what our position on certain issues are, and we hold to these, and that gives us a maturity, and it gives us a basis for our unity, and it gives us a basis for good local church. And of course, we can agree to disagree on secondary issues for the sake of the unity of the church, and that is right and proper. And sadly, when we don't do that, that's why we have so many denominations, so many types of churches. So I really believe 
that God is saying to us as a church, that we want to move in this direction of maturity. We want to work and do the work that God has called us to do, but we want to know the truth, and we want to speak it in love. And so in conclusion, I say this is God's vision for the church. This is his new society, and here are his new standards of humility and unity and diversity and maturity. And God has given us this opportunity, I believe, post-COVID, to renew Adelaide Road Presbyterian Church. And I think that's exciting. We need to think further in this. We need to pray about it. We need to chat about it. We need to have a conversation because we're one. And we need to grasp more clearly the kind of new society God wants us to be. We shall not be content with the way that things are. We will not be content with partial solutions, but we will rather pray and work for the church's total renewal. John Stott said that, not me. To give us time to reflect on what God has been saying to us, I'm going to ask Judith and Chan to come and play again. The song is, I Surrender All. And when the music stops, Lorraine will lead us in our prayers for others. Praise you, O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because you have blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We praise you as a creator of this beautiful and diverse world. We praise you as Jehovah Jireh, our provider, who has watched over us throughout this pandemic and lockdown. We 
praise you as a heavenly Father who runs to welcome us home every time we come to our senses and turn back to you. We praise you as our rock, totally dependable and sure. We thank you that we were able to, get, to be back in the church building this morning after so long a prayer. We thank you for those who have worked tirelessly behind the scenes to put our online church services together over the past four months so that we could continue to worship you from home. We thank you for the group that has been working so hard to prepare for our, for our return to this building today. We pray for protection for everyone here, especially for those who are most vulnerable, and also for those participating in this service from their own homes here. We thank you for reminding us of our study of Ephesians, that church is not a building, but a community made up of living stones who are being built together to become a dwelling in which you live by your spirit. We pray for our congregation, for ongoing guidance for our church leaders as they make decisions about how to worship and serve you while keeping everyone safe. We pray for members of our congregation who have been cocooning, for those with underlying medical conditions, for those who are ill or in pain, for those who have been grieved, for those who feel lonely or isolated or anxious or burnt out. We pray for those from our church who are working on the front lines. Anne, Anne, Abigail and Eileen, for Sibongole and Antoine, for Jonathan and Jenny. Please continue to give them protection, wisdom and stamina for their jobs. We thank you for Judith's graduation from Teacher Training College or First Class Honours and for Allegra and Charlene's graduation from Sixth Class. Please help them in their transitions to the next steps in these challenging times. We pray for guidance for the board and manager of Sunflower Childcare as they come to terms with both the emotional and practical aspects of having to wind the service down. We pray for the staff as they look for new jobs and for the parents as they make alternative childcare arrangements. We thank you for the tremendous dedication and love that the board members have put into Sunflower over many years and pray that they would know your comfort and help at this difficult time. We pray for the Presbyterian Church in Ireland and especially for David Bruce as he adjusts to his new role as moderator. Please give him the strength and guidance he needs to serve the church well. We pray for our country and especially for guidance for the new government. Bishop Michael Martin, for Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly, for Minister for Education Norma Foley, and for the Cabinet Committee on COVID-19 as they make difficult decisions about how to reopen society safely. We thank you for the wise and calm counsel of Dr. Tony Mullohan over these past few months and pray for him, his wife Uma and their children as they spend quality time together during the final stages of Uma's battle with cancer. We pray for wisdom, protection and stamina for Dr. Roland Lynn as he takes over the demanding role of acting chief medical officer. We pray for our world and especially for the poor and marginalised who have suffered most during this pandemic. Please protect those particularly at risk and cause us to see them not as anonymous statistics far away, but as our brothers and sisters deserving of our compassion and help. We pray for Christians throughout the world who are persecuted for their faith and for organizations like Open Doors and Church and Chains that advocate for them. Please help them to persevere in their faith and to know you as their refuge and help and ever present help in trouble. We thank you, Lord, that you are both willing and able to answer our prayers. Help us to learn to pray big 
mindful of the fact that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. For we ask it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Doreen. I was just reminded as Lorraine was praying that um, uh, that we did send a text to Dr. Tony Houlihan um, via Tommy uh, to assure him and his family of our prayers. Um, and uh, we received a very gracious reply to that. And I do want to commend him and his family to you uh, in continuing prayer. So, um, time has flown. We have come to the end of our service, practically. Um, and uh, it's been good to be together. Um, I do want to say a big thank you to everyone who has helped in uh, any way today, and, and I want to pray that God will bless you and keep you as you go to serve him this week. Um, some of you will have come um, prepared to give your tithes and your offerings, and there is a collection point at the back of the church for you to do this. Uh, we do want to encourage you to give biblically, which basically means that you set aside a portion of your income as God has blessed you uh, for the work of the church every week. Um, and COVID crisis or not, that is really what we should be doing. Um, so if it's easier for you, because it's easier for us that you give by standing order, then you can speak to Stuart. Uh, but this is another way in which you can uh, save up as you were and, and give in that way. And we want to encourage you to do that. I will continue to write a pastoral letter uh, over the next few weeks. Um, I'll definitely finish it by August, but I will keep going in July. Um, and if, if you would like to feed back to us, do feel free to email uh, about these services. We are restricted by the guidelines to keep them uh, 45 minutes or so, and uh, you to wear masks and no singing at the present time. But that will evolve as time goes, God willing, if we all do our bit in keeping this COVID crisis under control. So you do have to register again for next week. Uh, you uh, don't automatically have your spot. Um, so if you want to register to come next week, uh, the, uh, the, you will be able to do that from 3 p.m. today again. Um, we would want to encourage you to do that. Our numbers are limited to 50. And so now I just want to, you to encourage you to remain seated uh, those towards the back should leave first, and then everyone else uh, should leave filing out through the front doors. Uh, you're not to stop in the building and chat to people within the building. Uh, we are to encourage you to go out um, and chat outside, um, and you're free to do that, of course, at the correct social distance uh, with your masks removed if you so desire. Um, so I'm going to finish the service officially. Uh, by saying the benediction. In fact, um, uh, you can, yeah, well, I'll say it to you. And then Ch uh, Judith and Cham will play another piece of music for us called There is a Higher Throne. And you can stay as long as they play. But after that, we would encourage you to leave and uh, take everything with you and uh, talk to one another uh, outside uh, the building. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>